1: a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio.
2: Welcome to your Saturday morning radio extravaganza. If you would like to be on the program this morning, 800-848-WABC is the number to call. 800-848-9222. And we are going to be here for three power-packed hours. So much news to discuss. Ooh, Katz just sent me a headline. The cover of the New York Post, the bandwagon. All yes, we're going to talk about Elon Musk. That's on the front page of the New York Post. And what has been going on in Twitter world. I uh, posted something earlier today, and I'm going to repeat it to start off just so you know where. Where I'm coming from, in the early days of the Democrat Party, the Democrats had associations with their quote-unquote militia, the enforcers, the people that did the dirty work for them. That would be the KKK and other parties like that. Now, in the modern era of the Democrat Party, the Democrats have different kind of of militias. They have a militia that is from the ranks of the mainstream media. They have the FBI and, by extension, the Department of Justice. They have agencies of the federal bureaucracy that are weaponized to go against the American citizens and people who politically don't think as they do, for instance. The Lois Lerner days at the IRS where there was an attempt, not just an attempt, successful attempt to work against conservative organizations and stop them from organizing using the power of the IRS. Lois Lerner was, of course, never held accountable for that. Members of the Intelligence Committee, or the Intelligence Communities, I should say were also lined up against Donald Trump. You saw that with the fake dossier. And the role of the Brits in that has never been really closely examined with the fake dossier. So we live in an era now where the Democrat Party has many subsidiaries, many minions. When you look through the news that has come through today about Twitter, you will find that the FBI was doing the bidding of the Democrat Party, by and large. Small accounts, people that were joking on Twitter were suspect and were uh, pointed out with this collusion that was going on between Twitter and the federal government under Democrat rule, under Democrat Party. Whether they're in power or not, you talk about the deep state. All the while Trump was in office, there was a concerted effort among weaponized elements of the federal government to undermine his presidency and to undermine Democrats and to undermine Republicans at the behest and for the political advantage of the Democrat Party. Christopher Ray, in my humble view, should be fired yesterday. What has gone on at the FBI is nothing short of a disgrace, but this isn't new, folks. The FBI, in my view, you've heard me say this before, those of you who are faithful listeners, the FBI has been corrupt for decades. We just get p- temporary reprieves from the scandals involving the FBI, and this goes back to the FBI formation under J. Edgar Hoover, who broke American law. It is disgraceful that a building is named for the corrupt J. Edgar Hoover, who used to blackmail American politicians in both parties and use the FBI as his personal fiefdom. Now, Elon Musk suspended a few journalists, and all hell breaks loose. These same people, these same people, in the mainstream press that didn't mind, oh, no, the the, the social media platform is going to ban a president of the United States. And they stood up and cheered, cheerleaders that they are, because they hated Trump. Right now, by the way, three things are happening of note. The Democrats are trying to press for a 14th Amendment rule that would prevent a law that they are trying to fashion around the 14th Amendment that would prevent Donald Trump from ever being able to serve as president again. That's number one. Number two, the Jan 6 Committee is lining up charges right now, criminal referrals. And you could have predicted this at the beginning of that farce committee hearing, where Republicans were not allowed to even seat members of their choice on the committee as they should have been able to. This has been a kangaroo court all along, something worthy of a Third World Nation Banana Republic show trial. And so now the expected criminal referrals would, if they happen, and there's a strong likelihood that they might, these Democrats will try to refer Donald Trump for criminal prosecution. That is what they hope to do for incitement, at the very least, for what happened on January 6th. And make no mistake about it, I do not, have never, will never, would never support vandals entering into our nation's capital destroying property and creating a riot scene. I do remember watching the television in real time. Russia show was on the air. I was in the control room watching this as the show went on. And I remarked to myself, why are they letting people into the Capitol? Because the doors were opened to these people. And it struck me as odd Why are they letting these people in? Of course, some people were scaling the windows on the outside, and those people, I hope, are sitting in a jail cell today. But uh, another brief aside, never mind right to a fair and speedy trial, which is guaranteed constitutionally, many of the people that are charged, some of them who did not even enter these premises, who did not riot at all, are being held incommunicado, have been held for long periods of time in what even the liberal press has described as heinous conditions inside the Washington, D.C., jail system that apparently is very close to conditions at Abu Ghraib. All that aside, Twitter, is slowly being freed from the grip of political weaponization by the Democrat Party. The more we learn, the more sickening it becomes. The level of involvement of the federal government to control information and to punish people by limiting their freedom of political expression, which is their constitutional First Amendment right, in order to serve the political aspirations of one political party. And some of these journalists howling because they were suspended. And why were they suspended? Because they were doxing Elon Musk. Doxing him, yes. They were either they had either printed or reposted a link identifying the movements of his personal jet aircraft. Well, how was that doxing? Well, it violates his personal security. It gives stalkers and people intent on harming him a fixed time and place where they can go to intercept him or worse. It should have never been allowed to happen. He had this superfan that was on Twitter for years, a so-called superfan that was tracking his plane movements. should have never been allowed to happen. And some of these journalists, Drew Harwell, Washington Post, Donnie O'Sullivan, CNN, Matt Binder, Mashable, Michael Lee of The Intercept, Stephen Herman of VOA, also, Aaron Rupert, VOA, Tony, no, 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 Aaron Rupert, Tony Webster, and Keith Olbermann. Keith Olbermann, what a joke. All had their Twitter account suspended. Now, Elon has backtracked on that, according to the Daily Mail this morning. He's lifted the suspension. There was a telephone call that he took part in and he was questioned by uh, i believe washington post and some others he jumped off the call rather abruptly but within a very short period of time the suspensions were lifted cnn had threatened to quote unquote reevaluate their relationship with with twitter based on the suspension of theirs, the unjustified suspension of a number of reporters, including CNN's Donnie O'Sullivan, is concerning, but not surprising. You know what's not surprising? It's not surprising that CNN would be upset about this but never apologize for all the fake news that they distributed when Trump was in office, all the lies that came out of that network. What's not surprising is all the butt-kissing that CNN has done now for decades. I remember back in the Clinton years, maybe you remember this too, we all called it the Clinton News Network because it was nothing but sheer propaganda in support of Clinton, and they used that network as a blunt force instrument against political opposition from Republicans. Nothing has changed. There's still a left-wing hangout. It's not news, it's not journalism, it's political activism. So, I mean I would if I were Twitter, I'd be thankful that CNN is reevaluating. If they wanted to jump off, goodbye, good luck, see you Sayonara, adios. See you later. NBC News has suspended one of their tech journalists, Ben Collins. Why? Over a period of time, he's been mocking Elon Musk. And finally, I guess we finally found out that NBC must have some standards left somewhere. Sources told the Daily Mail, notice how you don't get all this news in American newspapers, by the way. Notice you have to go to British publications to get news about what happens in American media because American media ignores it. Sources familiar with the Collins situation, Ben Collins situation, told the Daily Mail that NBC heads made the decision to pull Collins earlier this month. They reviewed all the stuff he's been saying about Elon Musk on Twitter. They said that while he's free to make pointed criticisms, some of his tweets were inappropriate given he covers the billionaire and his social media company. Some of the things that he said, unless Collins said in one tweet, unless Elon Musk was trying to tank Twitter on purpose, he's never seen somebody more out of their depth in his life. The dog has caught the car and is now demanding the car pay for gas. His last on appearance was on MSNBC. That's according to Fox, Mr. Collins. And so apparently he's been suspended for violating their editorial standards. Hey, who knew that NBC News had any editorial standards left? Given what comes out of that network, they're still upset among radicals that that woman that did the weekend show um oh goodness, what is her name? Uh, you know the Joy Reid light, the one that tries to be, that tries to make as many racist, outrageous statements oh, oh Tiffany Cross after she was let go. You had a lot of people, one one Washington Post gal that's uh, 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 one of the writers for for the Washington Post made a big column about how racist it is and she's upset nobody's speaking up for Tiffany. First of all, nobody watched Tiffany's show. Low rated. Just like Joy Reid's show doesn't get anything. Just like half these other liberal radical wackos. Excuse me, let me pull back the wacko part. These radical liberals on MSNBC don't garner much audience. You could put the audience together of CNN. This is what used to kill me. You could put together the audience of CNN, MSNBC, all day long. Put it all together, combine it, and it still wouldn't wouldn't equate to what Rush Limbaugh used to do in a single broadcast. The audience. What standards at MSNBC? They gave that up a long time ago. Oh, Huntley and Brinkley would be spinning if they saw what became of that network. That was back when there was real journalism, or at least an attempt of it. It was still filled with liberals back then, but there were no conservatives on the air back then, At least they did liberal journalism to the extent that they could do journalism. What passes at MSNBC now could hardly be called journalism. It's a propaganda network, just like CNN. We'll have more on this later. 800-848-9222. I wonder if Derek is up. And we're not going to call Derek if you're up. I don't know. You may be mad after last week. You know, I love you, Derek, and I apologize if we hurt your feelings last week. Not we, because I didn't say anything to hurt your feelings. Anyway. It's disgraceful. But there's a lot more in the news I want to talk about, too. There is a story. I know we have to break. I'm sorry. There is a story about COVID that is, to me, a chilling, chilling story. What the left is trying to do with COVID and conservatives. That among the things that we'll talk about today. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurmis, our Saturday morning radio extravaganza, coming back right after this.
1: Entertaining and informative. James Golden, aka Bo Snerdly, is on the air, 77 WABC.
2: All in notes, bring us back on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Baby hair with a
3: warm
4: Waiting for the sunlight
2: Oh, there is reparation news, by the way.
4: When I feel cold
2: We'll get to that later.
5: Me. And when I feel I can't go on You come and hold me It's you and me forever Sarah, Sarah
2: Smiles, smiles. Right here on WABC, the story that I talked about is in the Washington, the Amazon Prime Washington Post, and for those of you that don't understand why I call it the Amazon Prime Washington Post, simple, Jeff Bezos, one of the world's richest, wealthiest, most successful, financially speaking, human beings, owns it. So I figured since he owns it, he owns Whole Foods. He owns, it's all Amazon Prime to me. Amazon Prime, Washington Post. Here's the headline. Can politics kill you? Research says the answer is increasingly yes. As the coronavirus pandemic approaches its third full winter, two studies, two of them, reveal an uncomfortable truth. The toxicity of partisan politics is fueling an overall increase in the mortality rates for working age Americans. Translation. Toxic politics is killing people. Now, who do you suppose, who do you think, who do you imagine is responsible? Take a wild guess. Scott, who do you think? The libertarians. No. No. You would be wrong. Diego, you care to take a stab at it? Who do you think are toxic in our political system and and killing people because of it.
6: Uh, guess I'd say the neo libertarian
2: neoliberals wrong. In one study researchers concluded that people living in more conservative what? parts of the United States I would have never guessed disproportionately bore the burden of illnesses and death linked to COVID-19. The other, which looked at health outcomes more broadly, found that the more conservative a state's policies, the shorter the lives of working-age people. Conservatives are killing people with their politics. The reasons are many. But increasingly, it is state. Not just, see, it's the state. Now... Let me ask another question. Let me ask one more question. Who is the most popular governor right now? If you had to pick a governor and say, why this governor seems to be the most popular governor in the United States, who would it be? Your turn, who? Kathy Hochul. He's doing that on purpose. Who is the most popular Diego? Who's the most popular governor in the United States? Who would you pick? Big Gretchen Whitmer from Michigan. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you are
7: killing me. You want us to say Ron DeSantis. I know you want us to say Ron DeSantis.
2: It's not that I want you to say. All you have to do is tell the truth. Who's the most Well, you
7: already know who the who the most popular governor right. is. It's Ron DeSantis.
2: <laughs> so now let's look at this sentence in the Amazon Prime Washington Post. The reason, the reasons why conservative states are killing more people with their coronavirus stuff are many, but increasingly it's Ron DeSantis and not just federal policies that have begun to shape the economic, family, environmental, and behavioral circumstances that affect people's well-being. Some states have expanded their social safety nets; they raised minimum wage. What in the hell does that have to do with the coronavirus? But it's what liberals want. They offer earned income tax credits. In other words, some states are giving us everything that we want. We socialist liberals. But then there are those conservative states. And they're killing people. Researchers with coronavirus. Researchers say the result of this growing polarization is clear. The overall health profile in America is going from bad to worse. Americans can expect to live as long as they did in 1996, 76.1 years. So things are going to bad to worse, but you can still expect to live to be almost 80. Mm-hmm. All right, one of these people that's conducting this research, oh, guess where she's from? She's from Harvard. Harvard, I'm not doing this research to be partisan. Simply supporting one party or another, simply supporting one party, simplistically supporting one party or another, says Nancy Krieger, a social epidemiologist at the Harvard T.H. Chan School for Public Health and co-author of one of the two studies. This is about looking at the behavior of different actors, some of whom have a lot more power than others to set standards, make demands, and allocate resources. Krieger says it's fair for people to ask their elected officials, are you doing what you should to protect our health? Harvard researchers analyzed data on COVID-19 mortality rates and distress on hospital intensive care units across all 435 congressional districts from April uh, 2021 to March 2022. They also examined congressional members' overall voting records. Like, like that's scientific. Like, there's science behind this. Whether the governor's office and legislature of a state were controlled by one party. Translation. Whether Republicans control those states. And here we get to the, to the prize. Now we get to the money line. Now we get to what this is all about. COVID deaths were 11% higher in states with Republican-controlled governments. 26% higher in areas where voters lean conservative. I cannot
7: begin to tell you how much bullshit. But do, you have the, do you have the figures on where there were more vaccine-related deaths? Do you have any? No. Is there any research on that how in How dare your... you ask that question? I'm just, just scientifically how
2: curious. How dare you? How do, are you an anti-vaxxer? No. No. How no. dare you? How dare you ask about vaccine injuries, vaccine I'm, s- I'm deaths.
7: sorry, I, I, I lost my head. You prone. must
2: be from one of those Republican conservative states that don't have a good minimum wage, that are not giving tax breaks and more welfare to people, and you want people to
8: die. I'm sorry. Scott, you've had to apologize so much to the lot, I uh, know. recently. I <laughs> recently. I just,
7: not everything.
2: Vaccine-related injuries. Way How off track. D- We have to take a break. Vaccine-related injuries. How dare you?
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. (coughs) Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system.
1: Trunk Radio 77 WABC, entertaining and informative. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo nerdly is on the air. 77 WABC.
2: James Golden with you here. as our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Have a nice cup of coffee with us. This is Billy Cobham. Total eclipse on WABC talk radio 77. Remember tonight. Cousin Brucey. As we go back to music radio, WABC, and all weekend long, we've got great music for you. Dina Martin. We have a beautiful Sinatra show you have to check out. And then, if you get bored and you want to hear some really, well, I was, I don't even know how to describe Curtis Lee was tasting music, so perhaps I won't. One of the great musicians of our time, Billy Cobham. On the phone with us, the one, the only, America's number one columnist, conservative columnist, Derek Hunter. Oh, Derek, I'm glad your feelings weren't hurt, man. I was worried all week. I was like, man, maybe I should call him. I was like, nah, he's a big boy, and it's like, nah, maybe I should call him.
9: I'm not Please. even sure what you're referring to. Why they should be hurt? First of all, you don't. Well, human emotions. I don't. Uh, I know your your buddy called me racist at one point, but that is that's a day that ends in why. I don't really give a damn about that. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I came up, you know, I I I thought I'd won on every single point, so you know, he can lick his wounds.
2: Well, you think you win on every single point when you go head, when you have the nerve to go head-to-head head with me, but you don't. Well, that's
9: only because I do. Look, I, I'm not going to give you any grief this week, James, about how many of the uh, Trump NFTs you bought. I know you bought a complete I bo- set, I, and you're I, very oh, you proud. of Trump you Trump-hater. <laughs> you Trump-hater. You start it's off with a major announcement. Hate. It's a major announcement. Now, I was going to start off with a joke about the uh, consolation game in the World Cup today. Because if you really want to know that you're a degenerate gambler, if you want to know if you're a degenerate gambler or not, if you're betting on the consolation third-place game in the World Cup or the Pro Bowl, if you've ever bet on the Pro Bowl, you're a degenerate gambler. But I decided not to go down that road.
2: <laughs> Wait a minute. I didn't even know the World Cup had a consolation game. They do? No, they Who's a third playing?
9: Pla- it's a third-place third game. So the two teams that lost in the, in the uh, semifinals play today. Croatia and Monaco, or Morocco, sorry, play today for third place. Wow. That's... They got everybody. It's a it's a multi-billion dollar industry that only gets together every four
8: years. You don't think they're going to milk it for all it's worth?
2: I guess so. I just read a story that Amer- that soccer is becoming more popular in America than football
9: is. Well, there's much less of a chance of severe concussions. And oh. or being shot by your teammates, so <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not significant statistically, it's significant, but you know, it's like five percentage points. But still, uh, you also have to get uh, 12% fewer tattoos if you play soccer.
8: <laughs>
9: so, you know, there, there's a lot of things that uh, it, it may, but, well, the reason soccer is getting more popular here in the U.S., I think. It's because it's really easy. It's cheap. What do you need? You need a pair of shoes and a pair of shin guards. That's it. Whereas <laughs> I, I grew up playing, I, I was given the choice I could play one sport. It was all we could afford. So I chose hockey. And thankfully my brother, I t- of course, took the most expensive one. But my, my dad drove the Zamboni at the uh, ice rink on the weekend. So he got, he cleaned the locker rooms and I would get all the hand-me-down equipment that was found there. Plus my brother was really good at hockey. So I, he's Ten years older than me, so I would get his hand-me-down equipment. But a kid trying to break into hockey today, is like three hundred dollars for a pair of skates—that's it. Baseball glove will cost you one hundred fifty bucks. But you got shoes. Who, as long as they're not wingtips, you can play soccer in them.
2: <laughs> so soccer is the is is the is the poor people's game, I guess.
9: No, it's it's it really easy to enter. Plus, you don't. All you need is a ball. You can stack a. Like, I've played roller hockey and and pond hockey, and even soccer. All you need is two pylons or two jackets to make a goal. That's it. You got, you know, sidewalk on one side is out, and the other side is you just decide where. You don't need a whole lot of things to just cobble together a soccer game, whereas you need more equipment for almost everything else. For basketball, yeah, the only cost is the ball, but you've got to find a court. The court's got to be free. The court's got to be. Like, the court I grew up on was broken up. It looked like it was part of the Dresden aerial bombing. It was terrible. <laughs> so, there was no if, – if, if you could bounce the ball back up to your hand, you'd probably turn an ankle. So it wasn't really all that uh, good of an idea to play there. So soccer is just in the dirt, you know. You can do that anywhere. I'm not advocating for soccer. I'm just saying that's why.
2: It makes sense, Derek. Sadly, I have to tell you. All right, Derek, Twitter. Now, what was your reaction? First of all, let me just go back to one minute, this Trump NFT business. You do realize that those NFTs sold out in what, like a matter of minutes?
9: Yeah. So what? I'm
2: just saying.
9: I mean, you You keep mocking Donald Trump for stuff. Look, he can sell a couple of thousand things to anybody. He has very, very deep, very passionate support. It's just not very wide there's not very many people it's about 20 percent of the population and you cannot get elected dog catcher with that kind of support you've got to expand the base i don't care what the guy sells james but when he says major announcement caps lock major announcement coming tomorrow and you've already announced you're running for president is it so beyond the realm of crazy to think maybe this is going to be presidential related and instead it's Buy my NFT. Give me $99. Aren't you rich already? Isn't – like I'm all for capitalism, but if your priority is being elected president, you should probably treat it like it's your priority. Don't you? Then this – it's not this instance. It's every instance like this. It's every instance coming forward. This will be forgotten, but it will be remembered as a concept the next time he does something like this. And it'll just be another brick if in the wall. Donald Trump's support? He is... raised a hundred million dollars during the midterms and spent none of it. And well, he did. went down in flames. He spent some of it. He spent more money trying to defeat Brian Kemp than he did trying to elect any in the primary than he did on any candidate trying to get them elected to the United States Senate.
2: Let me just ask ask you this, Trump hater. If Mm -hmm. Trump is so far out of it, why are the Democrats still so worried? Why are they trying to come up with some scheme to use the 14th Amendment and write a congressional rule that will prohibit him from uh, running for or, or successfully becoming president again? Why is the J6 committee doing all they can to try to send a criminal referral his way to try to block him? Why is Letitia James in New York still trying to do everything she can and Democrats in Georgia doing everything they can to try to see if they can make something stick legally that could hurt him? Why is the whole array of the mainstream press still lined up bashing him every single minute of every single day if he's no longer a threat to them?
9: Uh I was wondering when you were ever going to get done to that stream of of random questions. The answer is pretty simple. But first of all, I am criticizing Donald Trump in the hope that he will become a better candidate. He needs to be a better candidate. It's not 2016. He doesn't have that new candidate smell anymore, all right? We're looking at a pre-owned candidate here. So it's a different sale he's got to make. And part of the reason he lost in 2020 is he turned off a lot of people. That Trump exhaustion syndrome where people are sick of things just like this NFT, this shameless, you know, needing Tommy John surgery because he's so frequently and so hard patting himself on the back. If he could get out of his own way, he'd run risk of being a serious presidential candidate. Now, the reason that the left is attacking him is pretty simple, and you, I assume you know this, Jeeves. and I assume that was all rhetorical. He motivates the left. He motivates the left against him more than he motivates the right for him in most cases. So, yes, you put Donald Trump's name in a fundraising email and some low information voter is going to hit the panic button and go deeper into credit card debt to fend off Donald Trump's latest whatever it is. They all do it. Oh, you want somebody on the left to do something? Tell them Donald Trump doesn't want him to do it and they will be uh Donald Trump doesn't want you to lick that metal lamppost in the ice-cold winter. <laughs> oh, yeah? Well, you'd have a whole bunch of morons strung up along the street like Christmas lights going out there going, I won't let Donald Trump tell me what I can't do. That's why they use his name.
2: We have to take a break. Can you stay through the break, Derek, please? Yes, I Trump, can. With your Trump-hating self, James <laughs> Golden, a.k.a. Bo early Yerts on Saturday morning, Oh, radio Extravaganza, the one, the only. Derek Hunter is with us. We'll be right back.
1: Oh, no, politics. And so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC.
2: WABC. Talk Radio 77 in New York. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza here. 800-848-WABC is your number to call. Of course, one of the greatest entertainers, vocalists of all time, MJ, brings us back. We have Derek Hunter, columnist. Syndicated radio star, podcast star, you're like a multimedia, he's an author, too. We don't talk about your books enough, Derek. Um, How many books have you written so far?
9: Well, you always pluralize it. Under my own name, only one.
2: Yeah, prolific writer, Derek Hunter. Um,
9: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I write four columns a week, so that's basically a chapter a week.
2: I thought you did more than one book.
9: You mentioned I've that written more than one book, but only one under my name. I've ghostwritten people who are way more important and famous than me.
2: Okay. Now, okay, so Derek Hunter, what is the name of your book, and where can people find it?
9: Outrage Incorporated, and they can find it at Earl's Book Shack in Utah, Provo, Utah. <laughs> no, Outrage Incorporated, they can find it anywhere that books are sold. Anywhere find books
6: are sold. What are you so, doing?
9: Amazon. Are you, like, making
2: breakfast for the kids?
9: No, I'm actually looking through my freezer. and trying to feed my fish, but I don't see where it is. I'm trying to find my, uh... i got a zoo here, James. i got a zoo. I, I thought I had an... I figured the, the length of time that you play intro music, I had at least 15 minutes of Michael Jackson. <laughs> Little known fact about that song. He wrote it at, about Macaulay Culkin, when Macaulay Culkin was a zygote.
2: Are you serious? No. It's a child molestation joke. Twitter. (laughs) Talk to us about Twitter. Michael
9: Jackson, is he loves kids. Stop.
2: You and Curtis with this business.
9: Okay. (laughs) 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 Michael Jackson, sure, he touches kids, but he can dance. That's not a really good excuse. Good song, but, I mean, come on. Anyway, Twitter.
2: Talk to me about Twitter and the FBI and stop slandering one of the fam- well, fam- most famous entertainers in the world. Talk to me about Twitter. What is? What do you expect to come out of all this? The, all right, the Twitter files have dropped. We now see what, that that is actually could be worse than what we all suspected, that the FBI was colluding with Twitter to suppress Political speech. Do you expect anything? You are an Derek. You are a Washington insider. Do you expect? <laughs> you are. Do you expect anything to? Do you expect anything to come of this, or are we just, you know, getting off? Everybody just getting off. One. See, see. We told you, Twitter was Twitter was evil. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. What do you expect to happen here?
9: Nothing. Nothing. Uh, I mean, look at the way that it's been covered thus far. It has been conservative outlets going, oh, my God, this is true. And liberal outlets going, eh, we knew it. No big deal. <laughs> old news. Like, every, no matter what comes out, it's like, now this is old news. It's the Bill Clinton playbook. I Based have a question. Years,
7: you know. Hey, it's Scott. How you doing? Uh,
9: yep. Does
7: this change? The, the, the whole argument has been Twitter's a private company. Twitter can do what it wants. Does what's been released in the past week or two – make a legal argument that Twitter is somehow not a private company and that it is an extension of the government?
9: Well, you can say it's an appendage of the government. You can choose which appendage, but I don't think that it's about ownership. Look, these people – if you I mean, Bill Clinton questioned what the meaning of the word is is. He once said he didn't feel like he was ever alone with Monica Lewinsky because there are other people on the planet. So you're dealing with people (laughs) – <laughs> they're dealing with people who have you know they leave the wiggle room the weasel room of a, like a room full of lawyers and one $100 bill 100 lawyers one $100 bill imagine what they'd all do to get that $100 bill that's the left they don't care they're not bound they're not restricted by decency reality nothing so no it won't it's when your ethics are situational, you don't really have any ethics, but you have your ethics in every situation. So don't expect any real change from this,
2: no. All right. Do you think that that at least as far as Republicans taking over and their uh, promising investigative hearings, do you expect that there will be follow-through on Twitter with what has happened at Twitter, that it will extend into... What if, Twitter is not alone. No one's looking yet into the secrets of Google or the secrets of Facebook. Mm-hmm. And we do know that right out in the open, Facebook committed a lot of money toward election results, and they got what they wanted. So do you think that with Republicans now taking power, that you will have investigative hearings, at least, that will put more of this out in front for the American people?
9: There will be hearings, of course, if only because Republicans understand that their base will torch them if they don't. What will come of it it doesn't matter if they found a smoking gun. I mean, we've already seen the FBI saying these accounts should be banned, which is a, a pretty clear violation of the First Amendment, the concept of the First Amendment, the federal government saying censor these people. We can't do it. You do it. Censorship by proxy is still censorship. But. What has come of that? What will come of that? What what does the has NBC News even acknowledged this? No, they haven't, and they won't because they don't have to. None of these places in the last ten years, the last vestiges of the concept of credibility in journalism have been torched. So you can have somebody like you know they, what's left. They they suspended that Ben Collins guy.
8: Right. They
9: just what three weeks ago they suspended him temporarily. For three weeks ago, he gave a Golden Globe nominated performance about how evil right wing rhetoric was responsible for the the killing of uh, the shooting at the gay club in Colorado Springs. And then the next day, once real journalism was done, it just scratched the surface like, hey, maybe we should read the legal brief filed by his lawyers. We discovered that he's non-binary and a member of the t u v w x y z Mafia. And that performance that Ben gave the day before, tearful on Morning Joe, became completely irrelevant, and the story went the way of the dodo faster than a sneeze. It was just unbelievable how it went away. So you're not dealing with people who are bound by a sense of decency. Okay, but Forget Derek, this is ethics. what the
2: this is what the average person wants to know, and no. I, I I think anyway they want to know how come guys. Like Paul Manafort end up chained up and in jail. Not that they, not that he either guilty or not guilty. That's not what they want to know. They want to know why is it that guys like old Roger Stone down there ends up in jail with the SWAT team coming to get him at six o'clock in the morning? They want to know why uh, the parents in Loudoun County get dragged out by cops for protesting that their daughters get raped in school by transgenders. Why everybody that or or why so many people get hauled off to jail or at least hauled off to court? But these bad actors in the Democrat Party always seem to escape justice, even when Republicans hold some of the power. Will we see, for instance, this this whole subpoena? Steve Bannon, look what they did to Bannon. Okay, mm-hmm. contempt of court, this, that, the other. Are they going to do the same thing with some of these? And if not, why do Republicans never seem to get the prize?
9: Well, there's a couple of reasons. First of all, you should never be a Republican charged with any crime, no matter how thin the crime is in Washington, D.C., you will be convicted. And the federal government is located in Washington, D.C. They know this. They have 90 percent of the population on their team. And they it's not just that they're registered Democrats, the population, it's that they're anti-Republican. So it's really easy to get a conviction there. There's a reason that all of these trials take place here. Same reason that Democrats skate You've got the Durham probe, the evidence of the crimes, you know, the murder of the century, the kidnapping of the Lindbergh baby. No, but they're crimes nonetheless. Yet the jury goes, ah, not interested, not guilty. (laughs) It's a different world based on the letter after your name. It's not a D in parentheses. It's a tiny little shield if you look at it, and it insulates you from everything that comes your way. So – No, until the Republicans get wise and maybe start holding, if they want to prosecute the potential, if they want to do a perjury trap, they can do what's called a field hearing. And they can hold hearings anywhere in the country uh, on any issue they want. It doesn't matter. They just take their committee on the road. Get a field hearing in a red area with a red district in a red city and then set your perjury trap there so that the prosecutors might charge them there for perjury, and you might see some convictions, otherwise you' just it's just team sports now james it's just you know how it is it's teams the 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 judges are wearing uniforms it's it's so far gone, Wow, all
2: right, one last thing on this whole leadership thing Kevin McCarthy he was on Hugh Hewitt show yesterday. he says, "Ah, oh, yeah, these five are still against me, but don't worry in time they'll they'll cave they'll crumble." You hear these guys, the five that are against him and they're saying we're not gonna crumble. Uh, you've been around a long time. We what do you think, Mr. Cynical? What's gonna happen there? Is McCarthy gonna be the next House Speaker?
9: He should be because I don't think anybody else could get two hundred and eighteen votes. Now the five people are rattling their sabers. It is uh, unit measuring, if you will, time and this is a time for backbenchers who, you know, quite frankly, if you look at these five They are – some of them are cable news heroes, but they're not exactly legislative heroes. And this is attention for them. There will be some kind of deal, some kind of concession that will be touted as, oh, my goodness, we really stuck it to them and we won. And it will be innocuous. It will be irrelevant. But at the end of the day, who else could do the job? I don't think Kevin McCarthy is the cure for what ails us, but sometimes you – Take the children's aspirin because that's all that's in the medicine cabinet.
2: Derek Hunter, he has a way with words, folks. Town Hall columnist and author, and he is a radio and podcast star in his own right. Derek Hunter, thanks for being with us on Thank our you, Saturday man. morning. All hey, right, are you we'll on catch... next week? I am on next week.
9: Right, Not you, Saturday. you Merry Christmas yet. Oh, are you a right me? Merry Christmas.
2: Merry Christmas, Derek. We'll talk with you soon.
9: It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snirdley,
1: on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio.
2: Welcome to our number duo. We have a full bank of telephone calls, so we will be getting the telephone calls perhaps a bit early this hour. A lot of people want to weigh in on things we've already discussed, uh, Donald Trump's NFTs and... Donald Trump and other issues. Christopher Ray. So we'll get to your telephone calls eight hundred eight four AWABC is the number to call. There is reparation news. And I'm gonna hold on to that a little bit because uh <laughs> Yeah. It's so much fun. And again, if you do want to weigh any on anything, we invite you to call. There is another story, that story in the Washington Post, I'm telling you, this one blaming conservative areas for an uptick, they say, the most deaths. Here are some of the things that are missing in that story, this this brilliant analysis. What have liberals done? How did liberals politicize COVID, and what responsibility do they have in overall death? Let's go back, and let's never forget this, folks. Near the, near the I think, the one-year mark in this, when people were talking about, okay, how can we find a cure? How can we find things that did it? Donald Trump came out and said, you know, this, we, we found something that, that might work with this. And, of course immediately the knives came out. Immediately, hydroxychloroquine. Remember that? Oh, no. We had a phony study that was issued out that showed that hydroxychloroquine, hydroxychloroquine was not effective. And it turned out to be a study that was totally fraudulent, but yet it was published. To this day, There are doctors around the country that would not, will not prescribe hydroxychloroquine. Now, hydroxychloroquine, as I understand it, I am not a doctor and I want to make sure that I emphasize that. My reading of everything was that hydroxychloroquine, one of the active ingredients was quinine. And it had been used since the early part of the last century. Effectively, But we were told, no, 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 Donald Trump is just making stuff up. Well, I'm here to tell you, from personal experience, I know hydroxychloroquine work, because when I had COVID and I had a really bad case, this time last year, this ex- well, this week, is when I got it, a year ago. And I almost died from it. And the thing that pulled me through when nothing else did I had a frontline doctor, thank God, who kept me out of the hospital. Thank God. And the thing that kept me, and I rebounded within hours of being prescribed hydroxychloroquine. Within hours is when I started to rebound. And I was also prescribed um the other one that they said didn't work. You know the one that they were all mocking as a horse dewormer, ivermectin. And ivermectin made me so nauseous that I had to come off of it. And that's when my doctor said, okay, let's move over to the hydroxychloroquine. And within hours, I started to rebound. And I'm not the only one. There were so many instances where people had a very similar circumstance. Now, what I also learned is that depending on one's individual makeup, certain things worked, certain things didn't. Because we had a virus that didn't affect everyone the same way. Right now, we are only scratching the surface with real information about the origins of the COVID-19 virus. And there are still no answers. So going back to this Washington Post notion that its policy is how your conservatives voted on minimum wage and 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 how they voted on tax exemptions and welfare money that caused people to die from COVID. How about what how about what the liberal media did to Americans? How about this this anti-Trump hatred that fed into their coverage? of the entire disease. How many people bought into the notion that just because Trump said hydroxychloroquine we work and, and today it is still not being used even though it had been proven effective by certain people? How many lives did that cost? We were also told that people were being placed on respirators. We had a whole barrage of frontline doctors many of whom were suppressed on Twitter and were suppressed on social media. Because if you had an alternative view to what you were being told by the CDC, which is notoriously complicit in all of this, remember the CDC didn't even release all of their information and didn't collect certain other information to give Americans a full picture of what was going on with COVID. How many lives did that cost? How many lives were caused by the suppression of free medical speech in this country? And who did that? These liberals are so transparent. They fear red state governors, one in particular. And so now the attempt is being made by the Washington Post, Harvard University professors, to smear... The entire pandemic, as a Republican failure, it is outrageous that this kind of reporting is being promulgated in one of America's largest news outlets. They will do this, and no one will say, hey, you know what this doesn't make this doesn't even pass the smell test how are you linking public policy on things that have nothing to do with covid and saying that republican policy is killing killing americans how do you arrive at that conclusion just take this one example that this woman who says she's not in it for political uh, for partisan political power just look at one she says the minimum wage okay so Republicans don't pass a minimum wage bill, and supposedly that kills Americans. That's the liberal take, the progressive take that you will, that the minimum wage is good, and therefore everybody should pass it, and these only these evil Republicans hate the, the minimum wage because they don't want people to do well. And so their premise then is extended from that, You see, they didn't pass the minimum wage, and now let's correlate that with life. But the real correlation on the minimum wage should be, how many people did the minimum wage save? Because guess what? Anytime there's a minimum wage hike, more people on the lowest end of society lose their jobs. And it especially hurts black men in America. They are first to have a lower job hiring rate when minimum wages are introduced. Why? Here's why. It's basic economics. Labor is the most expensive cost in running a business. If you raise the cost of labor, you raise the cost of hiring, that means companies can't hire as many people. It also means that they, if they can't hire, then who gets hurt? The people that are out looking for jobs. And then who has the highest unemployment rates? Statistically, in America, that would be black men as a group. You look at what happened in Seattle. They came up with this inflated minimum wage. And they imposed it on all of the restaurants that service their airport. Job losses quickly followed. But they never go back and say, oops, we were wrong. Oops, we cost people their jobs. Oops, we boo booed. No, they'll look at the numbers and they'll say, eh, screw it. Never held accountable for their misguided, mismanaged, or ideologically dead wrong policies that end up hurting people. And yet we'll get some professorette out of Harvard University making a case that if if Democrat policies aren't enacted, then Republicans are killing people with COVID. This is sheer stupidity. But it's dressed up in nice little fancy words. She comes from Harvard. And so we're just all supposed to just look at this and say, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Ooh, look at this, Republican areas, red state areas, hmm, have higher death tolls. Really? Really? Well, in Republican states, by the way, where, who runs the cities in Republican states where many of these deaths happen? You can look at any number of Republican states around the country And if you go to the areas in those states where the most crimes are committed, guess what? They're in blue cities. If you go through the United States, you want to look and you see, hey, where are all the rapes, murders, and mayhem in these red states coming from? You go look at your blue cities. How can anyone look at what happened in the nursing homes here in New York? In New York. How can anyone look at what happened in the nursing homes and conclude that Republicans are responsible for the most deaths. What, in New York? You have everything. You have the minimum wage laws. You have every tax break they can give. You have every illegal immigrant and their mama's brother's uncle's sister's mother's babysitter flooding into New York right now to get free welfare. And what? You have spiraling crime rates that they can't do anything about, apparently. Apparently. We had a nursing home scandal that we are still not underneath the bottom of yet. Did Harvard bother to look at that? No, of course not. This is such bull. These people at Harvard ought to be ashamed of themselves, letting this study come out with one of their professorettes leading it. And, of course, the Amazon Washington Post, what do you expect? a bunch of fake news, Republican bashing, Trump-hating liberals. This is the kind of garbage that, but see, this is what they know. They know that the Republican Party is going to sit silently by and not even bother to address this. And this is how this kind of crap spreads through society. Because you have one party... And they have their tentacles everywhere. They have it in higher education. They have it spread throughout the medical communities. They have it spread throughout the media. They have it spread in institutions of higher learning. And they come up with this politicization, this demonization of conservatism every single day, and it goes unanswered. It's shameful. And it deserves to be answered line by line and discredited for the political garbage that it is. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, coming back right after this.
1: Welcome to the golden age of radio. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley, is on 77 WABC.
2: No Mars. Brings us back here on Saturday morning. Showtime, showtime. Showtime,
5: showtime. Guess who's back again. I'll bet on. I, I, I bet they know as soon as we walk in. Show up, I'm wearing Cuban links. Yeah, the sign of mix. Yeah. Angle Woods, finish shoes.
6: Woo-woo. Don't look too hard. might hurt yourself. No, to get the color red, the blues. Woo! I'm a dangerous man with some money in my pocket. Keep up
2: are Wicking up. up the rocket, yeah, baby. Bruno Mars brings us back here on WABC. Let's head back to the telephone. Well, let's start with our telephones. Robert in Suffolk County, welcome. Thank you for holding. How are
4: you this morning, Robert? Hi, uh, I'm okay. Uh, I hope you are too, Mister Goldman. I am. Thank you. Could I have the floor for a few minutes while start. I go point by point? Yes. Is that start. okay? Start. Okay, I'll start with the COVID. It originated in China, where Fauci was conducting research, allegedly to investigate and find a cure for SARS, which years before was a real problem in China, but it didn't spread because they contained it. But it got to be much more than that. Was he a gain-of-function research mm-hmm. by Fauci, who took it out of the United States and sent United States money to continue his research away from Donald Trump, who banned it in the United States? Mm-hmm. Okay, so COVID got out of the lab. Mm-hmm. Accidental or intentional?
6: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
4: China didn't stop anyone from traveling all around the world to spread this disease. They knew it was active and going around. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Talk
2: about the timing. Talk about the timing.
4: Yes. Uh, you mentioned hydroxychloroquine. Yeah, but talk, it about, was the very, it talk was, about the timing. Talk about the timing. It was very effective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All these drugs that were cheap and safe for years have been banned one after another so that these expensive failed cancer drugs, which have been recycled under another name, could be sold and make huge profits for big pharma. And the AMA CDC and FAA all conspired together to make this happen. The and Federal Aviation terminate Administration? The of, terminate the land licenses. I think you meant doctors. the
2: FDA, not. I think you mean the FDA, not the FAA.
4: Yes, FDA. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's okay. Terminate the Go licenses ahead. of terminate the licenses of doctors who would prescribe these cheap and safe, effective drugs. <gasps> who even out, who even outlawed it. <gasps> it's a crime to prescribe it now. <gasps> I wonder if oh, they yeah. know that at Harvard. <laughs> I'm sure they do, but they'll never admit it. This is all about the money. Oh, now, no. I, oh, yeah. The rich and people at the very top who know what really is going on are making trillions of dollars now. Talk this, about the timing. The vaccines. I'm, I've been giving you the
2: steps along the timeline. Yes, you have. Now, but I got to interject here, and you haven't lost your place on the floor. All I'm going to ask you to do is just hold on a minute. Yes. I'm going to talk about the timing because what Robert here in Suffolk, folks, is saying, well, I mean, it sounds like conspiracy cook stuff, doesn't it? Not really. Um, the timing. What happened before? COVID. Does anyone remember what happened in America before COVID? Why? I do, and I'll tell you. Donald Trump, that guy with the NFTs, did something that no American president, Republican or Democrat, did. Ever since China was opened and allowed to join the WTO, and was allowed to flood the world with manipulated currency and with goods in some cases that were, how shall we say, less than stellar and have this mighty trade imbalance, not just with the United States, but nations all around the world, and had elevated themselves through all of this to become the number two superpower in the world. Donald Trump called out China. And said, We are going to tax your asses. We're going to put tariffs on you. You're going to stop this unfair trade model that has hurt the United States of America. China retaliated. Said, That's fine. We're going to tax you too. Except because of the trade imbalance. They lost the trade war unreported in American media because they did not want to give Donald Trump the victory. (laughs) Donald Trump took on China. And in the process, he told them, you have to stop with this manipulated currency. You have to stop stealing intellectual property from American corporations. He negotiated with American businesses to bring some of the jobs back from overseas, including China, into the United States, something that his predecessor, Barack Obama, said could not be done. You do remember that. Well, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? Is he going to wave a magic wand? Was he going to do that? Is he going to wave a Mitch wand? No. He gave policies that actually did it. And so guess what? Timing. Right as China's economy was suffering. And they had plunged from the number two economy in the world and had started spiraling down because of this trade war with the United States. The next thing you know, the world had COVID. Yes. And what happened and what happened with COVID? Why all of a sudden the world needed masks? And guess and what China nation to- and yes, and guess what nation was just right there to provide the mask and to provide everything else that this new pandemic required. Why it was China. And China's economy just picked right on up. And the United States, under Democrats, shut down our economy. That is the timing. And yes, what this caller, Robert, is saying about the gain-of-function research is something that Senator Rand Paul has been asking about Ladies and gentlemen, I will continue to say, and I know some of you are probably tired of hearing me say it right now. This is the single biggest scandal in human history. We have had more deaths from this pandemic than any other single cause in human history. We still do not know exactly how it came onto the market, whether it was a biological weapon targeted at the United States, whether it was an accidental release. But one thing is clear what came out of the Wuhan Viral Institute was deadly beyond anything the world has ever seen up until this point.
4: Robert, I yield.
2: The floor is yours.
4: Yes, thank you very much. And uh, I agree with your timeline and the points that you made on that. This was payback in part for Trump's policies against China and what he did. Okay. Now, more of the money part? These researchers, scientists, Dr. Fauci, other people at the CDC, they get royalties for all of these vaccines and the drugs that's made by Big Pharma to allegedly address the COVID epidemic. They've made so much money. Fauci won't disclose how much he's gotten. Let me
2: stop you here and interject. We believe that some of them may have gotten royalties. Your last statement is true. It is nondisclosure. Dr. Fauci has been asked about this by Senator Rand Paul, by also Senator Ron Johnson. Mm -hmm. There is a veil of secrecy over who at NIH gets royalties and for what? We don't know. Yeah. Now, let me ask you a question. If we can find out what's in Donald Trump's tax returns, he's the president of the United States. How come we can't find out what's in Dr. Fauci, an employee of the United States financial portfolio? Robert, you had the floor. You did well. I got to move on here. James Golden, a.k.a. are coming back right after this.
1: Entertaining and informative. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdley, is on the air. 77 WABC.
2: WABC Talk Radio 77. Somewhere in your closet... In the back, you have your platform shoes. Somewhere in your closet, you have your bell bottom. Somewhere in the back of your closet, you have that first-generation polyester blouse. And somewhere in some box in your attic, you have a 45 or an album or your first generation CD. And back then, this little... Thin voice was the hottest thing ever. Oh, yeah. together, and all these years after she morphed into the other Madonna. She's still trying to be relevant. I don't know whether you've seen the latest pictures of Madonna. All I will say is, yow. And I'm a Madonna fan. Believe it or not, I've gone to see Madonna's concerts. I mean I thought they were a little tacky, you know? I remember the first time I do I remember the first time I went to a Madonna concert. First of all, I'm surrounded by all these kids. Me.
5: So now. So now.
2: These young girls
5: wanting,
4: needing,
2: And then in the middle of the show Madonna doesn't act and she's, how do I describe this on a family radio show?
0: You, my love.
2: She simulates giving herself pleasures on the stage. And I'm looking at this and I'm turning around looking at, in some cases, these little young girls there with their daddies. And I'm like, what? And nobody seems to care. That should have been the warning that all these years later we would have drag shows in schools where you now have men dressed as women simulating giving themselves pleasure in schools and the parents don't care.
7: And then going to the airport and stealing luggage. Oh, that too. (laughs)
2: After being appointed to be a nuclear waste energy expert with (laughs) the the Biden administration. The
7: assistant nuclear waste expert. Yes, with the
2: Biden administration. Should have known back then that we were headed down this path, but I didn't see it all in front of me. I just saw what I saw, and I said, I can't believe she's actually doing this at a concert. Derek Hunter just chimed in or text Madonna's new look. Unfortunate. (laughs) (laughs) WABC, let's head back to the telephones. Marianne in Indiana, welcome. Welcome to our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. How are you, Marianne? I'm
4: doing well. How are you doing?
2: Just fine, thank you.
4: I I love your uh, a.k.a. both nerdly. Thank you. Nerdy. Thank you. We, always, uh, we always laugh about that. Thank you. Uh, I would like to call. Uh, I was calling about uh, a question I always had when President Trump was president. Uh, why didn't President Trump fire Christopher Ray?
2: Honey, if I can answer that question and every other question is why he didn't fire people. I'd be off somewhere in the Bahamas watching as Sam, going to visit Sam Bankman Freed while still being a free man. Um, I don't know. Christopher Ray has been a bad actor from the word go. Why didn't he fire? You could go down and we could make a list. First of all, we could make a list of the why didn't he fire, and then in the second list we could make is why did he hire? You can go through any number of, of 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 Donald Trump's hires and say, why in the world, given the way that these people have stabbed him, politically speaking, in the back while working in his administration, who hired these people and why were they hired? And then you could look at the list of why didn't he fire? And after he got rid of James Comey, One of my questions is, why isn't James Comey in an orange suit? Well, the same reason that Hillary Clinton isn't in an orange suit. The same reason, and we were talking about this with Derek. Why is it that the Democrats end up never wearing the orange suits and the Republicans do? I, that answer is above my pay grade. I don't know. I think it is, and I know people, I do know this, I know people inside the former administration, and I know people that tried to bring it to Donald Trump's attention that these were bad hires. And in some cases, look, one of my friends who has now departed, who has now left this plane and is enjoying his rewards for his earthly service, Rich Higgins, was a great guy. Rich Higgins was frog-marched out of the White House. You know what his crime was? He wrote the memo. What memo? He wrote the memo that outlined how the deep state had it in for the Trump presidency. And his reward was being frog-marched out of the White House. He's the one that exposed the deep state and how they were working to undermine the Trump presidency. He was punished for that. And he he was a member of the intelligence community. He was also a veteran that served this country with amazing bravery and distinction during his his operations in Iraq and Afghanistan. He was Frog marched out of the White House for telling the truth and laying it out about the deep state. The last time I talked to him about policy, by the way, was about COVID, and I asked him up front, is this a biological weapon? And his answer to me, well, I don't know whether I have permission, and he's As I said, he he, he died um, um, earlier this year, very debilitating uh, a circumstance that he had. And I need to check, perhaps, and ask his widow if it's okay if I reveal what he said to me about China and COVID. Because way back then, I will put it to you like this, the intelligence community in this country knows a lot more about the origins of COVID than anything that we have heard so far. That's all I will say about it. Marianne, great question. James Golden, aka Boston Early, thank you for the call. Do appreciate it. E. Frank and Astoria, how are you? Going once. Is that Frank? Going twice. In a story going thrice done. Nathan Nutley, New Jersey. How are you, Nathan?
3: Yes, good morning. Uh with regards to the point that uh labor is indeed uh the most expensive input into uh production or manufacturing. Uh I want to remind the audience, well first before I get to my uh point, I just want to give you a a resource. Uh, it's the culture of critique by Dr. Kevin McDonald. It goes into immigration. Uh, it goes into CRT, all of these uh, pernicious leftist ideologies that are literally tearing apart the United States. Again, the culture of critique by Dr. Kevin McDonald. Now, boy, back to my point with immigration. It's not just simply the uh, poor, the illiterate, third grade education Mexicans coming across pouring across the Rio Grande that are suppressing wages and wage levels and actually providing a very large and cheap pool of labor for manufacturers who are still remaining in the United States. It's also happening at the higher end of the economy with regard to these H-1B visas and this abusive H-1B visa program that is importing uh, hundreds of thousands of uh, software engineers, uh, computer programmers, etc., who are working in IT, uh, AI, and other cutting-edge uh, technologies in Silicon Valley, they're also abusing a uh, lax immigration system. And that's legal immigration, mind you, with the H-1B visas, because what those corporations could be doing is training Americans here in the United States who are semi-skilled or unskilled to fill those jobs as opposed to importing what amount to indentured servants that are working at substandard wages and could easily be deported if they give you any trouble. They can't unionize. They can't make trouble for you. Uh, So, again, you know, it's it's not just uh, the lower end of the spectrum. This is happening across the economy. Now my larger point is that all these things are being promoted mass immigration uh women in the workforce all these things are being promoted not only by the left but also by corporate america because these greedy sons of bitches don't want to pay american workers living wages all right. They don't want to pay the benefits. They don't want to uh, have to uh, submit to environmental protection laws, worker protection laws, etc. So what do they do when they can get the chance? They move the jobs either overseas to the third world like China. You mentioned China before. China wouldn't be even near its near uh, near its uh, economic dominance that it has now if it were not for American corporations shifting or outsourcing. American production to cheap Chinese labor, and not only cheap labor, but also disciplined and intelligent labor. So, but again, the pay scales cannot compete with American workers, right? So it's not, it's not just the Democrats. Again, back to my point, the corporate American elites are just as degenerate as the left wing Marxists who they made common cause with to keep the borders open, to flood the United States with cheap labor, and to make sure that American workers are impoverished. All right? So, I mean, Nathan, why you Nathan, see... Nathan,
2: Nathan, let me discuss this with you very quickly before I have to go to a break. There is a lot that you said that I agree with, there are some things I don't. Um, let us look for an instance at what you said about American laws. Now, I like clean air just like everybody else likes clean air. We like clean water. All of us can agree on that, okay? We like we want clean air, we want clean water. OSHA is one of the biggest impediments to wages being able to be where they are. All of the, the overregulation of American businesses. And believe me, I know what I'm saying here, and I understand. When I say this, I say it with some reservation. Because left to their own devices, an unregulated industry has shown us what they will do. I'm one of these small government guys, but I'm also not stupid. Look at the airline industry, for instance. Now, I'm all for airline deregulation. Except now with airline deregulation, what do you have? You have everybody scrunched up in these airplanes in as many seats as they can put in that fuselage with no consideration for not only the comfort of the passenger, but for the safety of passengers if they have to make a quick egress out of airplanes. That is all due to corporate greed, period. I know that sounds leftist, folks, but it's corporate greed. There's no way... That any, And you see what's happening in these. Why is it that all of a sudden everybody and their mama gets on a plane? You have to wonder whether you're going to be at a fight scene in the airplane because they are so uncomfortable and they are so ridiculous as to how many people they're squeezing in here or trying to squeeze in these little airline seats that it is one of the causes of friction. Plus, there are a lot of cool jobs that are flying too. that too. Now, American businesses are overregulated in many sectors. One of the first things that Donald Trump did when he came through is lessen the regulations on American business. We saw the economy grow. That said, everything you said about the H 1B visas, check mark. When you talk about the greed, I'm going to put it to you like this the Chamber of Commerce used to represent business if you want to know who helped lobby the Republican Party not to take action on the borders, the Chamber of Commerce. And it's like many of us were looking, what happened to the Chamber of Commerce? They're supposed to be about business. They turned into some liberal whack job operation over there. Okay? A lot of what you're saying, I totally agree with. But I'm not going to put all the blame on American businesses. Some of the blame has to go on the overzealous environmental regulations that have been placed upon American businesses that make it impossible to pay workers because they're too busy paying the government and paying for the cost of running business when you're competing with nations and with people that don't have these kind of restrictions on their businesses and companies. Why should it cost American manufacturers so much to hire somebody to put a widget on another widget? And if you don't think that there is automation coming as a result of all of this more rapidly, you're mistaken. There's even automation now in the food, fast food industry, where they're trying to get rid of people. Because, again, labor is the, the number one expense. Now, Nathan, i got to go to a break, but don't hang up. I want to give you a chance to respond, Nathan, because you are a brilliant caller. And I want to hear what response you have and then let you finish your point. James Golden, a.k.a. Snorley, coming back with you right after this.
1: Oh, no Politics. And so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC.
2: The Doobie Brothers. Long train running. Bring us back on WABC Talk Radio 77 in New York. This is pre-Michael McDonald days of the Doobie Brothers. You know, I just, I've always loved this song from the first time I heard it. It's one of those, you never get tired of hearing this song. You know what? This is one of the things I like about about this era of music. The Doobie Brothers, right, back then, I think they had a black drummer, but they were, you know, all-white group, and mostly on Top 40 radio, pop radio. At the time this record came out, I was in a band in Queens, right? And so we're in Queens, New York. Our band, all black guys grew up. We live in a, you know, segregated black neighborhood, Cause that's the way it works in New York. Black folks moved in; the white folks would get the hell out of Dodge. They called it white flight. But anyway, so we grew up. By the time I grew up, the neighbor was almost all black. We had a band, all white, uh, all black guys. But we—this was one of the songs in our set, and our audience, primarily an R&B audience, they loved this. Everyone loved this song. And the same was true. We used to play Chicago cold blood along with everything else from James Brown the jacksons were out and some good old jazz stuff and some latin and some salsa Without love. Let's get back to the telephones. Nathan, thank you for your patience.
3: Yes, as always.
2: Uh, so back to your
3: point. <clears throat> Am I on the air, by the way? You are indeed. Okay, just checking. So uh, back to rejoin uh, your uh, question or a statement, rather, that uh, no, you cannot put the onus exclusively on corporate America. No, you cannot do that. There is definitely shared blame to go around between the left and the right politically and, um, and with regard to corporate America as an economic entity, as well as the left as a political or social movement. Now, with regard to the corporate uh, side, again, you cannot put all the focus on them. But that being said, those who say that markets are self-regulating, liaison affair, the invisible hand of the market, markets can regulate themselves those people must be smoking some serious crack along with Hunter Biden because markets are human institutions and as such, they're composed of human actors. Therefore, any human actor needs to be regulated by some, even a modicum of government regulation. I think we can agree on that, okay? Now, give you an example. Back in 1929, we had a severe market crash with the stock market, the equity market. Now, to his credit, FDR came in And Uh he actually initiated the securities laws, the security exchange laws of 34, the Secure Paper Act of 1933. Now, again, you had these regulations put into place to counteract corporate greed and the free market, unfettered free market. All right. With an unfettered free market, you have disaster. Too much regulation, you also have disaster. The key is to find some sort of pragmatic equilibrium between. See, to
2: me, there has never been an unfettered market, though. That's why, look, I first of all, thank you for being so clear on and precise on your with your thoughts here, because it's provoking so much energy in my own brain trying to keep up with you and then and then trying to address what you're saying and a lot of what you're saying, I agree with, but here's the difference I do think let me put it this way. We have never had an unfettered marketplace, and that's the problem. What we have today, if you want to put this in in the terms that a lot of people understand, capitalism versus socialism, it would be fine, except we've never had capitalism. We have crony capitalism, where you have the government putting their finger on supposedly a capitalist system— and deciding the winners and the losers. The marketplace has never been free to decide, unfettered, the winners and the losers. And it is not now. And one of the reasons we had the economic crash, and you raise such a brilliant point, I don't care whether you're on the left or the right, this is one thing that I agree with Elizabeth Warren about, of all people. If you go back and you look at what happened with those stock market crashes, you look at what happened with the, with this entire real estate state scam that led to the big crash in real estate. This was government interference, putting the fingers on the scale, and those that committed fraud on the American people with these phony inflated REITs that they sold all around the world, those in the banking and financial service industry were never held to account for what they did. Not one of them had their behinds put in jail, and they should have. Nathan, we're running out of time, but I want to give you the last word.
3: Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you made that point. The 2008 market crash that crashed the housing market was exactly that. They repealed the laws Put in place by the FDR administration, namely Glass-Steagall. Glass-Steagall separated commercial versus investment banking. Those laws were gradually eroded by Democrat institutions and Democrat parties. Okay, The Clinton administration was responsible for largely killing Glass-Steagall. And what you right. had as a result was the 2008 market crash. Now, my point, my final point with regard to Democrats and Republicans, they're both financed by the same people. Whoever whoever pays the piper calls the tune. <clears throat> Since the unions no longer really represent a so- solid, cohesive political and economic force in American politics, those campaigns, those enormously expensive campaigns, they've got to be financed by somebody. So the billionaire uh, business class, they're the people who are calling the shots in both parties. All right, Nathan, now, that-
2: we're out of time. I want you to call us back as many times as you want to every week. That we are here. You are brilliant. I love you. This discussion has to continue. Thank you. Heading into our number trio, James Golden. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza, and we're coming back right after this.
1: It's James Golden, a.k.a. Post Nerdly. Diego, do you have the Christmas song? W-A-B-C, the crown jewel of American radio.
2: Okay, good, because I want to play it. And I'm not talking about as a bumper. I want to play it. I mean, it is the Christmas season. We're in the midst of the Christmas season. Why not? It is still, of all of the Christmas songs ever, this is still, well, there are two. But this one is still my favorite, and I just want to hear it. Merry Christmas, everybody. Nat King Cole.
5: Chestnuts roasting on an open file Jack Frost nipping at your nose Sing along.
2: I won't, you but you can. You've
5: carols being sung by a choir And folks dressed up like Eskimos Everybody knows This simple phrase to kids from one to ninety two. Although it's been said many times, many ways, Merry Christmas to
2: you. From all of us here, Boston Early's Rush Hour and our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. We wish you the very best this holiday season. Hope that everything that you wish for that's good for you and good to you comes your way in this new year ahead of us.
5: And so I'm offering the simple phrase it's from 1 to 92. Although it's been said many times, many ways, Merry Christmas to you.
6: Ah,
2: yes, the voice of Nat King Cole. You know, Nat King Cole... Uh, very well known, of course, for that song. Very known, very well known as a vocalist. A lot of people don't know that Nat King Cole was an exceptional pianist. And he had a trio, a jazz trio. And if you go back and you dig out Nat's records, he was an exceptional musician. And in fact, he was uh, had built a name for himself as a musician, pianist, before he became the famed vocalist. Uh, Derek Hunter weighs in. He says, Holly Jolly Christmas by Burl Ives and Christmas in Hollis. Hollis by Run DMC, are tied for the greatest Christmas song ever. Now I grew up in in New York in Queens. I grew up in St. Albans, but everybody, you know, Hollis, St. Albans, it's all one community. It's all South Jamaica, Queens. And so Run DMC, a homie's, And of course, uh, Christmas in Hollis. Do you have that? Do we have that anywhere, Diego? Christmas in Hollis by Run DMC. And uh, and and Derek reminds us, by the way, not only did Trump not fire Christopher Ray, he hired him. That's what I was saying. You got to do the Trump on one column, hired by Trump, and on one column, why not fired by Trump? So there's. Now, our previous caller, Nathan, who I love, Nathan, you got to call us back, man. You got to become like a regular caller here because you are just you you give people so much to think about with your analysis. Uh, there is, you know, Title Forty Two is down this week it, unless the Republicans find a, a a judge somewhere that'll say stop this madness. I do a podcast with Todd Bensman of the Center for Immigration Studies. In fact, Todd and I are trying to plot out a a new talk because what is happening on the borders, my friends is approaching crisis level earlier this week. We reported that California's governor, little gas gasm Newsom, the gasm, the little gasm out there in California has said that California is at the breaking point. They cannot deal. They are going to be in crisis mode with this latest influx of immigration. If you don't know, the Trump-era policy, Title 42, allowed the United States to stop this flow, the surge at the borders, and turn people back, dealing because of COVID. Well, now federal judges have joined us. I can't do this. Let me just read you one paragraph from the BizPack Reviews, from the American Wire this morning, the American Wire story. Now, the story is about... The White House press gal, Karim Jean-Pierre, Jompia Jean-Pierre, says that Biden has put the work in to secure our borders. That's a bunch of cooey. And Karim Jean-Pierre is blaming out-of-power Republicans for causing all of the chaos at the border. Makes absolutely no sense. Not even worth the argument trying to refute it. Everyone knows it's nonsense. But I want you to listen to this one paragraph in the story today in American Wire News. You can find them at AmericanWire.com. And by the way, this story is one of the ones on my twice-daily news blast that goes out. It's called The Daily BS. You can go to Bosnerly.com or jamesgolden.com, sign up for it. We send out a news blast twice a day. Listen to this paragraph from the American Wire News on it. Quote, The Well, I don't have to quote. Here's what the story says. The number of migrants flowing into the U.S. under Biden's watch is staggering at this point. And if it continues, will nearly double the estimated population of 11 million illegal immigrants in just four years. Did you hear that? One more time. The number of migrants flowing into the United States under Biden's watch is staggering at this point. And if it continues, we'll nearly double the estimated population of 11 million immigrants in just four years. Some experts put the current number in America at 20 million or more. According to federal authorities, 2.76 million people were encountered in the last fiscal year attempting to cross the border. This figure does not include hundreds of thousands of known gotaways. In the previous year, the total was somewhere around 2 million. Now, Todd Benjamin has been warning about this for the better part of this year. And Todd Bensman has also told us about all of the NGOs that are working, in some cases, with assistance from the United Nations and funding. And by religious orders, there is an order of Jesuit priests that are helping people scam the asylum program that we have, which is totally broken. This year we are on track to have... An increase of 4 million, 4 million, 4 million illegal immigrants in the United States that come over just this year. So you wonder why California is now straining? Oh, Elisa is weighing in. I get all kind of people weighing in. But Lisa, I gotta pay attention when Lisa talks. I have to, you know, snap to it. Lisa says, "May I recommend that you tell the audience about your book? That your book." She's talking about the book "Rush" on the radio. It was out of stock on Amazon. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. It has now been restocked on Amazon. It is sold out in Barnes and Noble, but you can get the book "Rush" on the radio for you ditto heads out there from Amazon. Thank you for reminding me. We are going to talk reparations shortly. I've been holding off on this. Princess Di will not be with us this week. And let me give you the heads up. Next week, I'm on vacation. I don't take vacations, as many of you know. But next week is vacation week. So we'll see what we have lined up for you. Uh, but, but we're here all week and we've got some exciting guests lined up for this week. We will be talking again with Carrie Lake. For everybody that thought Derek, for everybody that thought Derek, that she ought to just go away and shut up, Derek, her court case is proceeding nicely. And this week, a judge ruled that Carrie Lake does have, has presented enough evidence that she and her legal team should be allowed to examine some of the ballots in Arizona. And I have gone through some of the evidence that Carrie Lake has presented. It is an overwhelming case of evidence that speaks to the way that that election in Arizona was totally mismanaged. And my own personal aside on that would be to say, I don't see, in my humble opinion, how it could have been accidentally mismanaged, but we shall see as it moves through the court system. And I never have agreed with this idea that Carrie Lake should just shut up and go away because what happened in Arizona is a travesty. Now, the attorney general, rate, the attorney general's race, that case that the Republican challenge made was dismissed yesterday. But Carrie Lake's case is proceeding along, and we will hear from Carrie Lake. We are also in the process of speaking with a woman that has, I cannot wait to introduce her to this audience, Harmeet Dillon. Harmeet Dillon is one of the most incredible women, well, people, persons, in politics today. She is running to replace Rona McDaniel as the RNC chair. She has agreed to come on the program. We're just trying to work out and schedule time and date. But I want you to meet Harmeet because Harmeet's message is one that you need to hear. So those who are among the people that we are going to speak with this week, last week, this past week, if you haven't heard it, please go back and listen to it. We had Dr. Kevin Roberts from the Heritage Foundation on. And if you think you know heritage from, you know, the oldest think tank in the political, the Reagan era, heritage is the new heritage. And they are in the good fight, folks. It is not the stuffed ivory tower, stuffed shirt ivory tower guys. They are fully engaged in trying to stop this Biden administration in their tracks and to get in front and hold Congress, including Republicans, accountable for what they are doing to this country. So that's worth listening to. We also, this past week, you can find all of this on WABCradio.com, download the app, keep it with you 24-7. But if you go to all the podcasts, you can find, under Everything's Golden, the podcast that we did for The Future is Now with James Eisenberg. And if you want a good explanation of what happened with FTX, what is happening in the world of crypto, of blockchain, of Web3, the new economy that is emerging, and you can believe all this nonsense in the mainstream press that you want to believe about crypto. Oh, it's crypto winter. Oh, crypto's all dead. Uh, Krugman wrote some piece in the New York Times that was just, Ridiculous. It shows he doesn't know anything about this. Let me just say this. All of the major financial players, the financial institutions, are buying right now. They're buying distressed crypto assets. They are positioning themselves while the market is low. That should tell you that crypto ain't dead and it's not dying. Real crypto, real blockchain. And what FTX was, was not that. FTX was a Ponzi scheme. I didn't know until today, Scott, did you know that they didn't even have a chief financial officer at FTX? Did you know that?
7: No. That, so what are, you, what are you saying? It wasn't a real company? It, it, it was a company,
2: but you name me. Look, if you start a dog-catching company and it grows to a certain level of revenue, you have to, in order to run the business properly, have a chief financial officer to make sure that you're complying with regulations, to make sure that you're doing best practices, I mean almost every midsize to to at some point you have to have a a a CFO I mean this is just standard corporate practice so you had all of these legacy media companies doing all these interviews with him. this guy's on the cover of times he's on the cover of this on the cover of that they didn't even have a a, a cFO it's like how how did these guys miss? That this was a scam all along.
7: Has there been any, and I'm sure I already know the answer to this, has there been any explanation as to what the criteria was for the Democrats and one Republican or whatever that received this money from FDX? How did they get that money? How did you request that money? What was the determining factor as to whether or not they got that money? Do we know?
2: Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
7: Well. Oh.
2: Well. Well let me say that the theories abound and it was more than one Republican that got money, but the lion's share of the money went to Democrats. We have to take a break. We are coming back. We will resume with your phone calls and with discussion. There are two stories that before I get uh, three stories, I have to get to, including the reparation story and your calls. We're coming back right after this. Don't go away.
1: It's James Golden, A.K.
2: Snurdly Diego, do you have the Christmas song? WABC,
1: the crown jewel of American radio.
2: Okay, good, because I want to play it. And I'm not talking about it as a bumper. I want to play it. I mean, it is the Christmas season. We're in the midst of the Christmas season. Why not? It is still... Of all of the Christmas songs ever, this is still... Well, there are two. But this one is still my favorite, and I just want to hear it. Merry Christmas, everybody. Nat King Cole.
5: Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. Sing along.
2: I won't. When well, you tired
5: carols being sung by choir, And folks dressed up like Eskimos. Everybody knows A turkey and some mistletoe. Help to make the season bright. Tiny tots. to you
2: From all of us here in Rush Hour and our Saturday morning radio extravaganza we wish you the very best this holiday season Hope that everything that you wish for that's good for you and good to you comes your way in this new year Ah, yes, the voice of Nat King Cole. You know, Nat King Cole, uh, very well known, of course, for that song, very, known, very well known as a vocalist. A lot of people don't know that Nat King Cole was an exceptional pianist. And he had a trio, a jazz trio. And if you go back and you dig out Nat's records, he was an exceptional musician. And in fact, he was uh, had built a name for himself as a musician, and pianist, before he became the famed vocalist. Uh, uh, Derek Hunter weighs in. He says "Holly Jolly Christmas" by Burl Ives, and "Christmas in Hollis, Hollis" by Run DMC are tied for the greatest Christmas song ever. Now, I grew up in, in New York, in Queens. I grew up in St. Albans, but everybody, you know, Hollis. St. Albans—it's all one community. It's all South Jamaica Queens, and so Run DMC, homies, and of course, uh, Christmas in Hollis. Do you have that? Do we have that anywhere, Diego? Christmas in Hollis by Run DMC, and uh, and and Derek reminds us, by the way, not only did Trump not fire Christopher Ray, he hired him. That's what I was saying. You got to do the Trump on one column hired by Trump and on one column why not fired by Trump so there's that. now our previous caller Nathan who I love, Nathan you gotta call us back man you gotta become like a regular caller here because you are just you you give people so much to think about with your analysis uh, there is, you know Title 42 is down this week unless the Republicans find a, a, a judge somewhere that'll say stop this madness i do a podcast with todd bensman of the center for immigration studies in fact todd and i are trying to plot out a a new talk because what is happening on the border my friends is approaching crisis level earlier this week we reported that california's governor little gas gasm Newsom, the gasm the little gasm out there in california has said that California is at the breaking point. They cannot deal. They are going to be in crisis mode with this latest influx of immigration. If you don't know, the Trump-era policy, Title 42, allowed the United States to stop this flow, the surge at the borders, and turn people back dealing because of COVID. Well, now federal judges have joined us. I can't do this. Let me just read you one paragraph from the BizPak reviews from the American Wire this morning, the American Wire story. Now, the story is about the White House press gal, Jean-Pierre. Jompia. jean Jompia says that Biden has put the work in to secure our borders. That's a bunch of cooey. And jean Jompia is blaming out of power Republicans. For causing all of the chaos at the border. Makes absolutely no sense, not even worth the argument trying to refute it. Everyone knows it's nonsense. But I want you to listen to this one paragraph in the story today in American Wire News. You can find them at AmericanWire.com. And by the way, this story is one of the ones on my twice daily news blast that goes out. It's called The Daily BS. You can go to boastnerly.com or jamesgolden.com, sign up for it. We send out a news blast twice a day. Listen to this paragraph from the American Wire News on it. Quote, the, well, I don't have to quote. Here's what the story says. The number of migrants flowing into the U.S. under Biden's watch is staggering at this point. And if it continues will nearly double the estimated population of 11 million illegal immigrants in just 4 years. Did you hear that? One more time. The number of migrants flowing into the United States under Biden's watch is staggering at this point, and if it continues, will nearly double the estimated population of 11 million immigrants in just four years. Some experts put the current number in America at 20 million or more. According to federal authorities, 2.76 million people were encountered in the last fiscal year attempting to cross the border. This figure does not include hundreds of thousands of known gotaways. In the previous year, the total was somewhere around two million. Now, Todd Benzman has been warning about this for the better part of this year. And Todd Benzman has also told us about all of the NGOs that are working in some cases with assistance from the United Nations and funding, and by religious orders, there is an order of Jesuit priests that are helping people scam the asylum program that we have, which is totally broken. This year we are on track to have an increase of 4 million, 4 million, 4 million illegal immigrants in the United States that come over just this year. So you wonder why California is now straining Oh, Lisa is weighing in. I get all kind of people weighing in. But Lisa, I got to pay attention. When Lisa talks, I have to, you know, snap to it. Lisa says, may I recommend that you tell the audience about your book? That your book, she's talking about the book Rush on the Radio. It was out of stock on Amazon. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. It has now been restocked on Amazon. It is sold out in Barnes & Noble. But you can get the book, Rush on the Radio, for you ditto heads out there, from Amazon. Thank you for reminding me. We are going to talk reparations shortly. I've been holding off on this. Princess Di will not be with us this week. And let me give you the heads up. Next week, I'm on vacation. I don't take vacations, as many of you know. But next week is Vacation Week. So we'll see what we have lined up for you. Uh, but, but, we're here all week. And we've got some exciting guests lined up for this week. We will be talking again with Carrie Lake. For everybody that thought Derek, for everybody that thought Derek, that she ought to just go away and shut up, Derek. Her court case is proceeding nicely. And this week, a judge ruled that Carrie Lake does have, has presented enough evidence that she and her legal team should be allowed to examine some of the ballots in Arizona. And I have gone through some of the evidence that Carrie Lake has presented. It is an overwhelming case of evidence that speaks to the way that that election in Arizona was totally mismanaged. And my own personal aside on that would be to say, I don't see, in my humble opinion, how it could have been accidentally mismanaged, but we shall see as it moves through the court system. And I never have agreed with this idea that Carrie Lake should just shut up and go away because what happened in Arizona is a travesty. Now, the attorney general, rate, the attorney general's race, that case that the Republican challenger made was dismissed yesterday. But Carrie Lake's case is proceeding along, and we will hear from Carrie Lake. We are also in the process of speaking with a woman that has, I cannot wait to introduce her to this audience, Harmeet Dillon. Harmeet Dillon is one of the most incredible women, well, people, persons, in politics today. She is running to replace Rona McDaniel as the RNC chair. She has agreed to come on the program. We're just trying to work out and schedule time and date. But I want you to meet Harmeet because Harmeet's message is one that you need to hear. So those who are among the people that we are going to speak with this week, last week, this past week, if you haven't heard it, please go back and listen to it. We had Dr. Kevin Roberts from the Heritage Foundation on. And if you think you know heritage from, you know, the oldest think tank in the political, the Reagan era, heritage is the new heritage. And they are in the good fight, folks. It is not the stuffed ivory tower, stuffed shirt ivory tower guys. They are fully engaged in trying to stop this Biden administration in their tracks And to get in front and hold Congress, including Republicans, accountable for what they are doing to this country. So that's worth listening to. We also, this past week, you can find all of this on WABCradio.com. Download the app. Keep it with you 24-7. But if you go to all the podcasts, you can find, under Everything's Golden, the podcast that we did for The Future is Now with James Eisenberg. And if you want a good explanation of what happened with FTX, what is happening in the world of crypto, of blockchain, of Web3, the new economy that is emerging, and you can believe all this nonsense in the mainstream press that you want to believe about crypto. Oh, it's crypto winter. Oh, crypto's all dead. Uh, Krugman wrote some piece in the New York Times that was just, Ridiculous. that shows he doesn't know anything about this. Let me just say this. All of the major financial players, the financial institution, are buying right now. They're buying distressed crypto assets. They are positioning themselves while the market is low. That should tell you that crypto ain't dead and it's not dying. Real crypto, real blockchain. And what FTX was, was not that. FTX was a Ponzi scheme. I didn't know until today, Scott, did you know that they didn't even have a chief financial officer at FTX? Did you know that?
7: No. Is that, so what are, you, what are you saying? It wasn't a real company? It, it, it was a company, but
2: you name me. Look, if you start a dog-catching company and it grows to a certain level of revenue, you have to, in order to run the business properly, have a chief financial officer to make sure that you're complying with regulations, to make sure that you're doing best practices, I mean, almost every mid-sized to to at some point you have to have a, a a CFO. I mean, this is just standard corporate practice. So you had all of these legacy media companies doing all these interviews with him. This guy's on the cover of Times. He's on the cover of this, on the cover of that. They didn't even have a a, a CFO. It's like how how did these guys miss? that this was a scam all along.
7: Has there been any, and I'm sure I already know the answer to this, has there been any explanation as to what the criteria was for the Democrats and one Republican or whatever that received this money from FDX? How did they get that money? How did you request that money? What was the determining factor as to whether or not they got that money? Do we know? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well.
2: Oh. Well. Well. Let me say that the theories abound, and it was more than one Republican that got money, but the lion's share of the money went to Democrats. We have to take a break. We are coming back. We will resume with your phone calls and with discussion. There are two stories that before I get uh, three stories I have to get to, including the reparation story and your calls. We're coming back right after this. Don't go
1: away. WABC. Entertaining and informative. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snardley, is on the air. 77 WABC.
2: Bill Withers brings us back on WABC Talk Radio 77 in New York. When I wake up in the morning, love,
5: and the sunlight hurts my eyes. And something without warning, love, bears heavy on my mind. Then I look at you, and the world's alright. Just one look at you, and I know it's gonna be, a lovely
2: day, lovely day, lovely day, lovely day, lovely day, Doesn't that make you happy? Bill Withers brings us back here on WABC Talk Radio 77. Headed back to the telephones, we were having an uh, intense discussion here about why FTX became XFTX. What is really going on here? Now, I don't. There's a lot to be said for this. We'll have to save some of it in the future because some things have to be borne out before I discuss my theory on this. I just can't go at uh, uh, half. Co- oh, half. Um. 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 Yeah. Uh, there's a story today in the Los Angeles Times, and I love this story. I love this. We're going to get to reparations. I want to get to your call, so we've got to go fast here. Okay. There's a story in the Los Angeles Times that I just love. I love this story. I love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Here's the headline. L.A.'s rich are already scheming ways to avoid the new mansion tax. <laughs> death and taxes in life are two certainties, but not if the rich can help it. Just weeks after Los Angeles voters backed a new measure that puts a one-time transfer tax on property sales above $5 million to generate money for affordable housing and homelessness prevention, the city's affluent Homeowners are exploring potential ways of avoiding the tax. Known as Measure ULA, United to House LA, the ordinance marketed as a mansion tax, get this, imposes a 4% tax on property sales above $5 million rising to 5.5% on sales above $10 million. So you sell your house for $5 million, including in everything else you got to pay out, you now have to fork over another $200,000 of your money. Or if you sell a $10 million house, you'd have to pay the government $550,000 in additional taxes in order to transfer your money to give it away to prevent somebody from being homeless. And owners are saying, are you kidding? It's supposed to take effect in April. So you know what's happening? People are trying to figure this out i want to get through this real quick because I don't have time to do the whole story, although I'd love to. You can find it today in the L.A. Times. What people are saying is, okay, I'm going to divide my property in three and put it under three different ownerships. And that way, I'm not going to sell it for $5, for $5 million. I'm going to sell my portion and then two other people will sell their portion, but it will all sell for under $5 million. And that way, we'll avoid the tax. That's one way they're doing it. Others are putting properties on the market now. They're saying, nope, I'm going to get rid of my properties right now before this tax comes into effect so I don't have to pay this outrageous tax. And look what they're calling it, a transfer tax. What does that mean? That is straight up commie, folks. Give your money. Give your money. And we're taking your money and transferring it to someone else. This is straight-up communism. Well, no, I'm sorry, let me amend and revise. This is straight-up socialism. The communist way is, we're going to take your damn property. And we'll give you maybe something if we feel like it. And if you complain, we'll give you a bullet in the head. But I love this. The rich people that are left in Los Angeles are saying, no way. And who lives out in Los Angeles, folks? Who are these greedy people that don't want the government to have their fair share of their money? Who are they? Are they a bunch of conservatives? Are they a bunch of the conservative COVID-causing death people? No. These are your liberals. These are your progressives. These are the people that tell us we don't pay our fair share of taxes. And all of a sudden, what are they doing? They're doing everything by hook or crook to get out of paying taxes that I agree with. They shouldn't have to pay. They're avoiding taxes. Did we find that run, DMC? We don't have it, unfortunately. We need to get that for the week. We'll get it. Thank you. <sighs> Okay, reparations time, and then your calls. We got to take a break. Reparations and your calls coming up, folks. The reparations stack. Oh boy, you are not going to want to miss it. Coming back, James Golden, Bo Snirly. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Back right after this.
1: Bo knows politics and so much more. A true connection to real New York on seventy-seven WABC.
2: Holland, Dozier, and Holland, the songwriters. Of course, Diana Ross and the Supremes on WABC Talk Radio 77 in New York. I am so happy. Bugsy is on the line. Those of you. Hey, you're,
10: you're over there jocking like, jocking, talking, and telling jokes. Good morning.
2: How you doing? Bugsy, I am so ha- Folks, Fred Bugs, Bugsy, is so well-known in New York, especially on the FM dial. He has worked with all of the giants in one way or another in the radio industry uh in terms of music. He's one of the most knowledgeable people you'll ever meet, but I am proud to say that he's one of my best friends in the world. And and when I need when I need somebody to lift up my spirits, Bugsy is always has always been there since high school. We have buds since high school. Bugsy Yes, sir. Man, who so, are you...
10: That's, that's phase-on love. If you remember the movie Friday with Ice Cube and Chris Tucker, he was the big worm guy.
2: Yeah, okay. I didn't... I missed that Yeah, he's
10: that an one. active comedian. I mean, he... You know, I know a lot of people may not be happy to hear him say that. But, yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of funny when you think about it. <laughs> I was on the floor laughing. It wasn't just kind of hey, funny. I I would go for being tax-exempt and even get me a tax-exempt Cadillac, too. (laughs) (laughs) Don't mean to insult anybody, but it ain't a bad idea.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we have, look, Bugsy, this thing is mushrooming, and I want to be on top of it every step of the way. There were calls this week in L.A. One guy stood up in front of the uh, town meeting that they had out there and he said, uh, "Y'all only y'all only talking about two hundred and twenty-three grand? Are you serious?" He said, "You better come up with eight hundred fifty thousand dollars a piece." And he said, "And I'm not asking you; I'm telling you what you better wow. come up with." So, wow. and then, and now they're going to start in New York, and they're also starting in St. Louis. So, you know what? I want to see this happen. You know, I mean, I'm, when I say I want to see it happen, I want to see this debate go all around the country. I can't wait. Now that we have dollar figures attached to this, I cannot wait to see where this goes. Well,
10: it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see what the outcome is going to be. Um, but the phase-on love statement was really kind of insane. Uh, uh, you had me laughing in here when you, when, when, you, when you mentioned it. I didn't even know about it, so I appreciate you bringing it up because I didn't know. <laughs> cool.
2: Now you grew up with the guys we were looking for. We're going to find it because Derek wants to hear it. Um, uh, Run DMC. You know all of these guys, right?
10: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know they were they were another side of where we grew up. You know, you were in St. Albans and and I was in Queens Village, Hollis. And uh, the Russell and I came up together in Hollis. Larry Smith. We all went to school with right? Larry Smith. Was the producer oh, yeah. who made the early Run DMC and Houdini songs. I didn't know that Larry produced from the Furious Five. Yeah.
2: Larry was a bass player. We all knew Larry. I didn't know Larry produced Uh, all of them. We
10: were all out of of the music element. Hey, folks, you know, he'll, uh, Bo Snuggler will never tell you, but he was a pretty good, uh, trombone and trumpet player. And, and dance, pretty good dance steps too, by the way.
2: Damn, you're just revealing it all. Bugsy, bugsy, bugsy. Ask him
10: about Cooling the Gang songs, which he should play at one point in time on a Saturday morning. I'd love to hear that. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I love to hear it, too, Bugsy, Can I do this? I got to grab some callers, but thank you for weighing in on us. Can I go Can do that, man. Do enjoy
10: enjoy the show. Love to everybody. And can I you so ask you to have do have something though?
2: Before you I'll go, I want you. you to do something. I want you to promise me that you will come on one day for an hour and we're just going to do nothing but New York music from the scenes from all the music we grew up with for one at that, least an hour.
10: You got a deal. Let's do it. I'll do okay. that.
2: Okay, Fred Bugs, ladies and gentlemen, Bugsy. Have a great he holiday. Is one of, you have a wonderful holiday too, Fred. Fred is one of the best known DJs in New York. Period. He, um, I'll tell you this: you know, you talk about he goes back with, to the Frankie Crocker days to all of it. So anyway, that's that. All right, let's get to some of the telephone calls that people have been waiting. Uh, let's go to, let's go to Bob. Hello, Bob. Welcome. You're on WABC Talk Radio 77. How are you?
6: I'm lousy, Mr. Snurdly. This current Why? administration has turned my golden years into rust. But here's, here's the question, since I used to be a forensic guy. Fauci definitely got his kickbacks. Give me his tax returns. Give me the senators and representatives. Let me see the pharmaceutical stocks they've invested in. Give me the military stocks for the stuff they're sending to Ukraine. Then, are you there?
2: I'm listening.
6: Then give you me have a
2: nice list here.
6: I want then that give stuff, me too. The minimum wage p- people that want to jack it up has nothing to do with making people's lives better. It has to do with jacking up the payroll taxes taken in by the government and the states. Then the inflation. You know why the people, you know uh, what? the state you representatives... You have given
2: us, from Trumbull, you have given us so much to think about, Bob. I want to see those tax returns, too. If they're going to demand that that they have the right to show Donald Trump's taxes, even though he's a private, even though they're supposed to be held privately then let's start looking at other people's taxes. In fact, the Wall Street Journal has an article today that this is a very dangerous set precedent that the Democrats are getting ready to set. They wanna release Donald Trump's tax returns this week. And if they do, ladies and gentlemen, we should start demanding to see tax returns from the left. Everybody we can think of. You wanna take away his privacy? Let's take away yours. Rick in Elmwood, welcome. you on WABC Talk Radio 77. James Golden, a.k.a. Snerdly.
11: Hey, James. I just want to disagree a little bit. I don't think that the um, COVID was the biggest scam and the most disastrous scam ever. Um, I think the global warming scam is really connected to almost everything bad that's going on. Um, we could start with oh, Biden and Obama switched 6% of our fuel to biofuel. They cause uh, food rights in over 20 countries in Africa Um, The prices of food are up again because the price of gas is up again, because Biden attacked our fuel supply with the global warming scam once again. Uh, They're funding the war in Ukraine. We're paying for both sides of that war. We're giving money to Ukraine, and we're making Putin rich by raising the prices of fuel. If we flooded the market with oil today, the war would be over in a week. You will also have children in school for 35 years that were told the world is coming to an end. They think they don't wanna have children because there's no future for their children. They think they're they're mad at their parents because they let them down and they, they didn't fix this problem during their generation. So you got children that hate their parents. You got parents that think their kids are CO2 bombs. I think a good portion of the violence and the school shootings might have to do with the depression that these children are going through. Uh, they push this crap on the kids for 35 years in schools and that opened the doorway to now this transgenderingism. They go, oh, we got to with the global warming scam and child abuse, so now we can go on with more child abuse.
2: Rick, speechless. Great call, thank you. Tim, San Diego, welcome. You're on WABC Talk Radio 77.
8: James, how you doing? Hey, I, I just wanted to say you were looking for that uh, that Run DMC song. You know, it, that get it, it's tricky, man. When you try to find those, sometimes it gets a little tricky. Cool. But, uh, anyway. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to wish you a happy, uh, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, all that stuff. And you and I have spoken. We we talked about Al Dimiola a while back and Paco de Lucia. Um, oh, and I love Al-
2: that album. And and I was sent that album as a gift from Jim Robinson, and I love that album. And uh, Al Dimiola, did you hear the Al Dimiola podcast that we did?
8: I did. It was fantastic. And I also saw him interviewed uh, by a guy called Rick Beato on, on YouTube. You should check that out if you get a chance. A guitarist, a guitarist, guitarist who uh, just talks turkey with what, guitar what's players. What's his name? What's his name? Rick, Rick Beato. B-E-A-T-O. Um, Rick Beato. He's from, okay. he's, he's from Upstate. He's got this great YouTube channel. He's interviewed everyone, you know, Peter Frampton, you name it, just tons of guys. Uh, plus, he just does tutorials, and you'll love it because you're a musician, so you'll you'll get a lot more out of it than the average person. But um, anyway, yeah, and you and I have spoken dozens of times. I, I, I think i talked to Rush probably 20, 22 times over the years. That's so. amazing. Uh, well, yeah, Tim, so, I want to uh,
2: thank you for the call and wish you a very Merry Christmas, too, and holiday season. Love that you're calling us from San Diego. Thank you, my friend. God bless you. Appreciate it. Let us go to Kevin in New Jersey. Hi, Kevin.
8: The yeah, for a comedy.
2: If you had a choice, would you buy a General Motors, Ford, or Chrysler car? It's like discrimination. If I had a choice, would I buy General Motors, Ford, or Chrysler? I'd get me an F-150. I'd get one of them F-150s, because them F-150s are the bomb, and I'd get one with them electric F-150s. That's what I'd get. William in Westchester, thank you for waiting. You're on WABC Talk Radio 77. James Golden, a.k.a. Snerdley.
9: Hey James, uh, considering music this time of the year, one thing I really miss is chipmunks roasting by the open fire.
2: Oh man, that was a rush bit that we used to do, and it was great. You know what? I need to see if I can dig that up and play it sometime during Bob the- Rivers. Okay, chipmunks roasting by the open fire. We're going to try to find it.
9: Okay, Thank as far you. as business, I'm a mm-hmm. thousand percent in favor of airline dereg, largely on the basis of my my experience making my way into NYC. If I choose, I can take Metro North or I can take the subway. If I want to be crowded, I can pay less and take the subway. If I want room, I can take Metro North. If the airline industry had any entrepreneurs, they would have Class A and Class B service on entire planes. Class A, if you want to be squeezed in like the subway.
8: Class B, if you want more room and you'd pay more for it.
2: Whoa, William, you need to be an airline executive. Thank you, Andrew. Because I'd pay more for it as long as it wasn't outrageous. More, Andrew Stanhope. Thank you for waiting. You're up next on WABC.
6: You're an aficionado music and Run DMC near your neighborhood, but you missed the reference. The caller said, "I, I think you missed it." He said, "To find the Run DMC songs, it could be tricky." <laughs> That's one of their songs. One of their <laughs>
2: songs. Yeah. <laughs>
6: But
9: their best song is uh, my favorite is "Down with the King." Like uh, you, you and your Rush, you guys are the kings. He's the king, and oh, you're man.
6: the the new king of radio. And I just want to say, um, reparations. The two fifty large that'll buy a lot of timberlands. <laughs> the booth, you know what
2: I'm that. saying? <laughs> okay, but it's not just gonna be two fifty large because that's just the start. That's just for the housing. When we get through with this thing, it's going to be everybody's going to be a billionaire, okay, when we get through. And I'm guaranteeing you, for those of you white folks, I've been saying this all along, who you hear all this talk about, we're going to give black people money and all that stuff. Don't get upset. Just be patient. Your turn is coming because after we get ours, then it's your turn to, for discrimination because you will have been discriminated against. And now you can get reparations for the reparations. OK, this let us all hope that this door opens wide, because when this door opens, we all are going to get paid. E. Frank and Astoria, how are you?
6: Yeah, how are you? Um, thirdly, uh James Golden. Look, uh, I want to tell you something. I'm a very uh, uh, good Democrat, and I usually vote on party lines, but I'm afraid uh, what's going to happen with uh uh President Biden he supports individuals that are a little bit uh, flimsy on in in politics and they're not knowledgeable of the of all the facts and I'm afraid that that the sec- if he runs for office the second time around the, there might be a, a serious form of recession that will drive this country into a depression do you agree that's poss- that that's a possibility
2: of course that's a possibility look we have the fed and what the fed is doing with monetary policy clearly is not working and to a lot of people that know economics makes no sense we have these reckless this reckless spending this profligate spending that fuels inflation and what is the democrat biden mitch mcconnell answer for all of it why we're not spending enough let's spend more it doesn't make sense what is happening financially and i've been saying this for a long time These people in Washington are playing Monopoly money. They can keep throwing out these figures. Oh, we'll spend a trillion and seven here. Oh, two trillion here. We don't have the money. If you ran a private business the way these people are running your business in Washington, you would be thrown in jail for fraud. That simple. You can't do it. If you did the same kind of accounting tricks that these people are doing to spend money that you don't have and have no way of getting unless you tax everybody. And even if you raise taxes on every single millionaire and billionaire in this country, to the extent that you can, we still would not have enough money to cover what they are spending. This is make believe money folks. And one day when you keep playing with make believe money, what's going to happen? It's all going to come crashing down. Now, that may not happen in my lifetime. It may not happen in yours. But this is a financial house that is built on sand. There is no underlying collateral for what they are spending. There is no underlying assets for what they are spending. It is fake money. James Golden, a.k.a. Snowy, is Saturday. We're done, three and out. Already, we'll be here all week long before the Christmas vacation. Hope you join us. We have some great guests coming in, including we're going to get an update from Carrie Lake. Hear that, Derek? Thank you all for being here. We so love you. May God bless and protect each and every one of you and your families. We'll be back on Monday. See you then. Bye.